This is it right here. Combining a team of reporters, columnists, and commentators. Don't you ever talk about me! Are you serious? Jack Ebling has brought thought-provoking discussion. What are you doing? That's a damn coaching mistake. Opinion. The customer is the one who decides when the future gets here. Oh, no! The ship is on fire! You have to check the report. Are you kidding me? That game was fixed. And overall infotainment. I'll take Jim Harbaugh. What is he done? Crazy Cooter coming at you. <laughs> Scott! Yeah! Quiet, please. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Thanks, big fella. Don't you ever come back here again. No arguments. Those are called ass tunes. So buckle up. You talking to me? It's time for The Drive with Jack Ebling. Yeah, for some reason or another... Who sound a little taller on radio? Great afternoon, Mid Michigan and beyond, and welcome to the Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my producer, Boston Rob. Rob, uh, big day here for sports. We've got a lot to talk about. We are covering uh, football, basketball, baseball, uh, you name it. Uh, it was nice to just have uh, Sean Respert here in studio as well. But we want to welcome in Deshaun Tate, as we do almost every week at this time. Deshaun, how are you? I'm good, Jack. Thank you for asking. That's awesome. Sean Respert, great name, by the way. Spells his name a little weird with the W, but that's okay. I'll let him. I'll, I'll give him a pass this time, Jack. But uh, no, that's a, that's a great get, man. How's 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 uh, how's Respert doing? Oh, fire and ice. Yeah, he's doing great. Uh, he is uh, taking a break from coaching. And uh, maybe from sports in general. And uh, he went down to Texas to take care of his ailing father who has dementia, Henry Respert. And uh, he's been a world-class son down there. So not only is he the Big Ten's all-time leading scorer in conference play, uh, he's exactly what you would want uh, as an offspring. So he's been great. Yeah, hopefully I didn't spoil any of that for the uh, future listeners or what have you. Yeah. Um, I'll say this much. Um, you know, there's something else that is likely going to happen. No guarantees, no promises. You know, I don't like to over, yeah. you know, promise and under deliver, but there might be a Breslin sighting this weekend. So I'll have to put old Breslin Ooh. with, uh, with Jack Ebling and, and I'm sure she's going to love all the stories that her dad loves so much. Oh yeah. I can tell her about her dad and, uh, being the best player in Gus Macker history. Well, I mean, you know, not to toot my own horn. I mean, uh, she'll probably want to stop over at One North, right? Um, I don't know if she'll be stopping. Her dad will likely be <laughs> stopping at least for a cold beverage or two, if I'm even allowed. But uh, I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> well, what is going on in the world of basketball now? I just saw uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. blocking six shots in the international play. Uh, so uh, he hadn't forgotten how to do that. But what about what's going on? What's the big news to you this summer? Well, I think it's, it's uh, you know, I, I do think that there are a couple of different things uh, outside of Team USA, which obviously is a, is a really big piece of everything that's going on. And all the, this is the time we even kind of see all the guys that are kind of hanging out and working out amongst one another and all the good stuff. But, of course, there's the uh, – uh, the the new schedule just kind of came out uh, for the NBA this for the upcoming year. Some highly anticipated matchups. And I know that everybody tends to love the 
you know, the, 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 the big matchups that are going to be taking place on Christmas and all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's great with the new schedule release and, you know, the, the tip-off preview and everything. But I'll tell you one that maybe not as many people are looking forward to on that schedule that I'm really looking forward to. How about the, 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 the Oklahoma City Thunder and Chet Holmgren up against, you guessed it, the San Antonio Spurs mm. and Victor Wimbenyama. Mm. And guess what? For all the people who, you know, talk about Wimbenyama being the rookie of the year potentially, or, uh, or, or I think that Chet Holmgren's going to be considered a rookie this year. So I think that that'll be really interesting uh, to see as well. That will be fun. Uh, what about uh, summer competition at all levels? Uh, obviously, you've got NBA All-Stars competing. You've got the summer circuit for AAU. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got players considering reclassifying. Recruiting is uh, uh, different than it has been in the past now. So many coaches not going out as much. They're just going to wait and poach the portal. Uh, what's the big story of the summer? Yeah, um, I think that, I mean, there's, there's this kid out of Maine, really, really good. I mean, you, you, you've got you, you to see him playing. I've I got a good feeling that you know where I'm going with this, uh, Jack. There is, and I, and I, and I try to find a, a, a comparison mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to some degree, uh, as, much as, as, as much as I try to anyway. I think we just lost to Sean. All right, well, let me try uh, and get him back. Real get quick. him back, yeah, and I'll talk about the rest of the show. Uh, we got a lot of gremlins in the studio today. I'll just say that. I don't know where they're living, but I want to swat them here. I'm going to bring uh, Tom Lang in here with his three wood and let him club him if he gets his uh, gets his sight on him. Uh, after we uh, finish here with Deshaun, we'll get him back in just a minute. Tom will be here from Michigan Golf Journal. And uh, looking forward to a very interesting segment. It's talking with uh, the Evans hey, Golf Scholar of the Year. Then Jim Stark will be here. And you're going to hear from Rick Piso from BTN. Rob, we do have Deshaun with us? Yes, we do. Okay, sorry about that. I don't know what happened, Deshaun. Uh, we paid the bill. Yeah, well, I'm surprised that I was even able to because Breslin's been taking all my money. But there's this kid <laughs> out of high school but by way of Maine who's just transferring down to Florida now. Uh to play at Montbird Academy. He goes by the name of Cooper Flag. I don't know if you've heard of him. I know that uh, there had been some rumblings yeah. about Michigan State recruiting him amongst probably every single program yeah. in the country, even those who probably don't stand a chance. But um, reclassifying now uh, and uh, going to be eligible for the 2025 NBA draft. So um, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how things, you know, pan out this year. Uh, for with his reclassification considerably. And, I mean, this kid is every bit as good as advertised. If you've been living under a rock, that would probably be the only reason that you haven't heard of him. He's, he's as good as advertised. We hear about guys like this every so often, and yeah. uh, they're not maybe once-in-a-generation players. Maybe he's not built like Victor Wembanyama, but uh, Flag is the real deal. You're convinced that he's an impact guy from day one? No question about it i mean good size and kind of you know everybody talks about having that dog playing with that edge he definitely has a bit of that something that you probably don't hear very often coming from the state of maine 
Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, he's really good. If I had to say one way or the other, which way he's going to go on this in terms of playing prior to uh, going to the NBA draft, I think it's one of the three options. I think, and not in this order, obviously, but the first one is Kansas. The second one is Duke. And the third one is the G League. Um, I just kind of get a good feeling about something like that. Everybody's been hot on these kids, you know, recruiting trails and so forth. But, you know, he's definitely really good, good measurements, good size, you know, got some sneaky athleticism in there. He's not just this Caucasian kid that sits out on the perimeter and shoots the three all day. That's not who he is. He's got, he's got a good build, and he likes to mix it up, get physical, extremely uber-competitive kid. You're going to love him when you see him. 6'8", 200 pounds. So he probably has to fill out a little bit, and uh, yeah. he doesn't have height, which would separate him from other small forwards, I guess. Maybe For that sure. would be his natural position. But as you say, sometimes it's more than just dimensions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, uh, everything about this kid, I'm not sure that there's anything I don't love about him. And, you know, there, there could be some questionable things about you know, the competition that he plays with or against, he's out in Maine and so forth. But, you know, it kind of reminds me of how it was, and I'm not comparing by terms of being a generational player by any means, but there's certain guys that when you lay eyes on them the first time, especially if you're watching them live, you'll say, okay, he's going to do this against nobody else, uh, against anybody else. Uh, that's how I felt when I saw Trey Young, despite his size. That's how I saw. That's the way I saw it uh, about Zion Williamson, despite who he was playing with or against. Uh, it gives him very much of that same feel that he's, this kid's a real ball player, and he's going to, if not dominate the competition, he's going to be really, really good, no matter what level it is you see him play at. You know, you mentioned coming back here and uh, paying us a visit, and of course, Breslin. Uh, and uh, as a very creative spelling there, uh, joining us. Uh, is there any chance that you could get back here for this big reunion, the MSU basketball reunion on uh, September 7th, 8th, and 9th before the Richmond game? It's gonna be Everybody's going to be here. Uh, possibility. I feel like we did that about a year or two ago, if I'm not mistaken, Jack. Mm-hmm. Probably two years ago because I remember Bresden was on the way last year. But I yeah. uh, definitely enjoyed it. And uh, – it is a possibility, but there's going to be some up- upcoming, you know, important dates in terms oh, yeah. of christening for Breslin, of oh, course, good. and then some other stuff going on prior to the basketball season tipping off. So uh, I don't want to rule it out by any stretch of the imagination, but it is certainly a possibility. And no truth to the rumor that it's just a matter of time before she has a little brother named Cameron. Yeah, definitely no truth to that rumor. I've got a good NCAA tournament reference for you, Jack and okay. Boston Rob. You ready? You ready for this? Ready. One and done. How about that? <laughs> We're going to the lead, Jack. One and done. <laughs> One and done. That is enough. Okay. I thought maybe you know a son who would have your athletic gifts, you know, yeah, would be well, a ticket to the league. Yeah, depend, well, I guess the question is, which league are we talking about? <laughs> Probably not the league that everybody – church league, maybe. Ticket, you'd have to buy at the ticket machine. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think about uh, all of the hype, uh, all of the speculation about is this the year for Tom Izzo. And oh, then yeah. I, I think back to Purdue 
which won the Big Ten by three games last year, rolled to the Big Ten Conference Tournament. We were there sitting side by side when the Boilermakers uh, were embarrassed in uh, round one, uh, 16 over a one for just the second time in the NCAA Tournament. Uh, but when you think about Purdue should be better this year, uh, maybe the Big Ten uh, tournament championship could be a prelude to the NCAA final. I'll say this first, Jack. The, what we were just discussing was truth to the rumor. There's definitely truth to the rumor that I cried when we witnessed the 16 seed beat a one. Let's go ahead and put that out there right now. Still crying about it, actually. Uh, but no, outside of that, though, Jack, is I have a better feeling about Michigan State. It's going to sound a little weird, but I have a better feeling potentially about Michigan State winning a national championship more so than I do the Big Ten championship. Hmm. I think Purdue's going to be a very, very tough out. I don't know what the schedule looks like in the regular season, not or the regular in the conference in the Big Ten per se as of yet, but it's always going to be tough playing up against them no matter where you play them at. Purdue has been really good against Michigan State on the road at the Breslin Center, let alone at home. I don't want to give anybody any kind of visual of what that has looked like in Mackey Arena as of late. Uh, I don't think everybody wants to see what I had for lunch. Uh, so from that standpoint, that being said, I mean, there, it's going to be tough no matter what. You know, I think that just as many eyes uh, are going to be on not just that matchup, but, you know, both teams, I would imagine, and anticipate are going to have targets on their backs as we'll likely be looking at two teams starting out the season ranked in college basketball out of the Big Ten in the top five. Well, we were together at the Champions Classic last year. Uh, we saw Duke and Kansas and uh, defending national champion Jayhawks, the best team money could buy. And then we saw Michigan State um, beat Kentucky in a classic double overtime game. Um, This year, it's Michigan State and Duke in Chicago. You'll you'll be there for that. But uh, I just saw something, uh, College Basketball Report, okay, is the site. And I think most people would agree that the top two coaches in NCAA history are John Wooden and Mike Krzyzewski. Some might even say Mike Krzyzewski and John Wooden, but when you win 10 championships in 12 years on the national level, it's hard not to make you number one. So you got Wooden and Kay, and then after that, you can get a pretty good debate. You got Dean Smith, you got Roy Williams, you got Adolph Rupp, you got Bob Knight, you got a lot of guys, Jim Calhoun. But if Tom Izzo can get another national championship, and uh, again, I'm I'm not saying he's a favorite in the Big Ten, but if he could get another national championship and he would have two of them, three title game appearances, nine Final Fours, that'd be the third most, uh, he would have 11 Elite Eights, 16 Sixteens, uh, maybe 11 conference titles and seven conference tournament titles. That would be the most conference tournament titles in the Big Ten, and it would tie Bob Knight and Ward Piggy Lambert for the most regular season championships. Could you put Izzo in the top five? Would you put him in the top ten? I mean, your personal bias aside, sure. uh, what does that resume look like? I think it's an easy top ten. I think you submit him in top ten all the time without question. Um, without even really thinking about it. I think top five is a very 
strong possibility. I mean, you start having conversations about some of these other guys that have won multiples, like, you know, Rick Pitino and mm-hmm. so forth. Some of those guys I think are going to be kind of tough to uh, to beat out. Jim Calhoun being another one, some mm-hmm. of the ones. That, but I, I think there – I think there are some some. I think there could be some conversation of you know not just putting him in the same conversation, but maybe surpassing Bill Self. Uh, Bill Self probably with a winning yeah. percentage uh, that is you know slightly different than yeah. you know Tom Izzo's, but we're also talking about totally different in terms of recruiting amongst other things. Right. Uh, I think is what you know could surpass Tom Izzo past Bill Self, but uh, I, I think you'd be pretty comfortable. In, in, in the top 10 for sure, without question. What national championship game, Deshaun, would you most like to see out in Phoenix? Um, I would like to see Michigan State and Kansas. I think those mm-hmm. are the two teams that are the most equipped to win a national championship coming into the season this year. Um, it's funny you even say this, and it's very ironic and coincidental because I had a dream last night, Jack. Now, I'm no Martin Luther King or anything like that, but I had this <laughs> dream on last night that Michigan State played in the national championship game last night. Dead serious now, hmm. totally dead serious. And you wouldn't believe the team that they played in the national championship game. Not saying they're going to get there, but for whatever reason, this team was there. Hmm. Uh, and, and, um, and that team was the Texas Longhorns. Not really, really? Sure and which they and they are for me personally. When you start talking about five teams this upcoming season that I think can maybe do something like that in terms of get to the final four for sure, but maybe even have a realistic shot at winning a national championship, not named Kansas or Michigan State, I definitely think that Texas is in that conversation. So, no idea if, if there's any truth that you know what. What, what, what you think about throughout the day is actually what you dream about. That's where your dreams come from. It's probably mm-hmm. not much of a surprise that my <laughs> dreams are actually about college basketball and the Final Four who meets up in the title game. <laughs> well, if it were a Michigan State-Purdue matchup, then yeah, at least we know the Big Ten would get a championship, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. One way for to sure. look at it. Another thing uh, would yeah, be yeah. if it were uh, the Spartans and the Jayhawks and it came down to the last possession – uh, with Kansas up by a point, and uh, knowing how you feel about Jackson Kohler, yeah. uh, he got the ball in the post. He had an up and under move, drew a fifth foul on Hunter Dickinson, yeah. and uh, converted an off balance shot. Uh, would I be able to keep you down, or would you jump onto the court? Um, on the table, on the court, on the sports <laughs> table, everywhere possible. <laughs> um, you know, that, that, that's, that's pretty much how that would go for me in the sort of a program and a team coming in this year as there is in, ever in the country, but that's going to be every year for Kansas. It's always yeah. kind of feeling like a, you know, championship or bust type of season. They've always got the hall of fame coach. Of course, they've always got a nice roster guys that are transferring over as well, playing in arguably or inarguably the toughest conference in the country over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, with winning national championships and being one of them and so forth. And it's really hard to keep them away from that number one seed line on any selection Sunday. So they're always going to be really tough. But that's the one I probably would like to see the most because I really do believe wholeheartedly, non you know, bias aside, that those are the two best teams in the country entering the season. Deshaun, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, Georgia Bulldogs getting ready to go for a record third straight national championship. Yeah, Braves are pretty good too, Jack. Yeah. 
Braves are really good, and a lot of teams would love to be them. Georgia, not a bad place to be right now unless uh, you're being indicted. Yeah, that is true. I appreciate you for having me every Tuesday, same time, same channel, 4 o'clock Eastern. Next time I get on, we're going to have to have this conversation about Stephen Curry's comments saying that uh, on the uh, Gilbert Arenas podcast, he's the yes. best point guard ever. I'm pretty sure Urban's got some things to say about that. Too. Well, you know, it's it's funny you say that because I have now added Steph Curry to my all-time NBA 5. You know, everyone wants to know which 5 are I the greatest it. of all time. But I, love I am not playing him at the point. I am playing Irvin at the point, and I'm playing okay. Steph as the greatest shooter of all time at shooting guard. I'm playing Michael at small forward because he can defend anybody. And uh, so I'm going with uh, Magic passing the ball to Curry and Jordan and getting a boatload of assists. I love it. Living vicariously through the mind of Jack Eblen. <laughs> Let me know when you get here, buddy. We'll see you then. Will do. Thanks, Jack. Right. Deshaun Tate. We will be back in just a minute, and we're going to talk with Tom Lang, Mr. Michigan Golf Journal. It is our long drive segment. We have a very, very special guest joining us. We'll be right back on The Drive. To everyone who believes family is what mealtime is all about, let our guest Emmy share what she loves about Culver's. From the moment my family walked in, we knew Culver's was the place for us. There's just something nice about a cooked-to-order butter burger and creamy, fresh-frozen custard that tastes like it was made just for you. But time with family? Now that's what's really special. Stop in and experience what mealtime means at Culver's. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, love, welcome to Delicious. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. 
Jack Epling with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, I see that the lots are filling up and showroom is too. Yes, finally. Lots are getting full. We're ready to sell some cars, Jack. And you got some new vehicles, some news about the Silverado and the Colorado. That's exactly right. We have the all-new, completely redesigned 2024 three-quarter ton Silverado. And then we also have the all-new, completely redesigned Colorado. Both fantastic vehicles. We're really excited. And then on the Nissan side, we've got the all-electric Aria, which is on the ground right now. That thing is absolutely fantastic. I haven't seen technology like that ever before. Stop and see Matt and the gang on West Grand River in Okemets. They're making friends. To everyone who needs a little delight in their day, let our team member Paul tell you about one of our favorite sweet treats. Making special moments at mealtime is a tradition in Wisconsin. And what better way to sweeten your day than a Culver's creamy, fresh frozen custard and your favorite mixins? From the indulgence of Snickers to the richness of Dove chocolate, we handcraft every concrete mixer exactly the way you like. Come to Culver's and let us make your day a little bit sweeter. From, From Wisconsin, Wisconsin with love, love, welcome to Delicious. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear, Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store, or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. Welcome back. It is The Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my partner for the long drive all summer, spring and summer. Tom Lang, Mr. Michigan Golf Journal. Tom, how are you? Doing great. What a gorgeous day. Yeah, how about that? Pretty good golf weather. It's a little rain earlier, but it's nice now. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I was out picking up sweet corn before the really before this. Yeah, you ever been to Reese's Farm out on Northwood Road? No, best sweet corn in the country. Really? Oh, it's my family's been going for fifty years. Really? Yep. And I texted them all when I bought some, and they're all jealous. Well, I'm gonna have to check that you out. Have to check it out. Reese's As you just can like tell by Reese's butter. I like sweet corn, so you. That's right. I can uh, make the most of that. Uh, we're gonna have a very special guest in just a minute, but before that. Where have you played in the last uh, two weeks? Have you oh, been too busy to play? You're going to make me think about it. <laughs> since uh, you got um, back from Minnesota. Since I got back from Minnesota. Um, I know I have played. It's just uh, kind of a blank <laughs> right now. Uh, wow. Tom Lang plays so much golf, no, ladies no, and gentlemen, no. he can't even remember where You think I'm going to play golf. I'm going to play golf with a guy on Labor Day who's okay. traveling through the area. All right. His name is uh, Patrick Koenig. He's a photographer, he's hot on Twitter, that kind of thing. He's going to try and break a world record to play 500 different golf courses in one year. What? 365 days, 500 golf courses. And he's going to be in Ohio uh, next week. Then he's coming to Michigan. He's going to play Detroit Golf Club, Fieldstone Golf Club, Copper Hills over in Detroit area. Then he's going to go up to the Loop. Where who we talked with last week, the Loop Red and the Black and Forest Dunes. In two is he counting that as two courses? Yep, because they are, and it's going to be in, th- in two days. He's going to play those three courses. Then he's going to Kingsley Club, then Belvedere, which is phenomenal. And then I'm going to meet him at Stoughton Bray on Labor Day, and we're going to play what's together. what's his name? 
Patrick Koenig. Is this a record? This must be a world record, huh? That's what he's going for. The I guess the current record is uh, 449, and he wants to make it 500. It's amazing. It is. is. He's he's got an RV and everything. He's driving around the country in it. He's not just going to break the record. He's going to give himself a 50-course cushion. A big cushion, for sure. So I'm looking forward to I don't know the guy at all, other than seeing posts on Twitter now and then. But the opportunity came along, and he'll be like 12 miles from my house, so we're going to join up and play, and I'm going to do a story about it. Wow. I wonder about his... uh his points for hotels and things. So what are you going to do is uh, live in a motor home or something? Take it it, it is a motor home. Is it? Yeah, it's okay. specially outfitted, and he's uh, driving it around for a year. Wow, nice. Well, we have a special guest that uh, I'd like you to introduce from Royal Oak. Yeah, is he on he's the line? Us? He is yeah. on the line. Okay. Andrew Hendren. Uh, I've not met Andrew either. We've only talked on the phone. But Andrew recently received a national award. He is uh, Evan Scholar meaning he caddied in high school, got an Evans scholarship to attend Michigan State. And these scholarships are magnificent. It's full tuition, mm-hmm. fees, and housing. And so they live in the Evans Scholar house. It values it at least $60,000 a year in valued scholarship for these kids. So, wow. Um, he won it's a, a beautiful nation- home, the Evans Scholar home it's on very cool. uh, Grand River. Right on Grand River. That's right. And uh, Andrew was voted Evans Scholar of the Year in 2023, so it's a national award. And he just last week started at Indiana University. He's going to study law. How's it going, Andrew? Pretty good. How about you, Jack and Tom? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Doing fine. I saw a photo of you, and I think you were with uh, another Evans Scholar named Michelle. Uh, She's from Washington, uh, what was that? Were you the finalists for this or co-winners? Yeah, yeah. We ended up being co-winners at uh, Olympia Fields. We received our award. So now uh, you have completed your study at Michigan State, correct? Correct. And uh, you didn't get a four-point. You got a 3.9, right? Something like that? Bummer. Yeah. 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 Uh, so who was the clown? Which professor didn't give you the four-point? I want to interview him. <laughs> There were probably a couple here and there, right? Yeah, yeah, a couple yeah. here and there. And you picked an easy major too, right? Finance. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But right. uh, law school, I think it might be a little more challenging, though. Going to be in Bloomington at IU Law School. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually at their uh, Evan Scholar's house right now. Well, uh, let's back up a few years. You're back in high school. Where Where'd you attend high school? Royal Oak High School. Okay. Uh, so you're back in high school, you're caddying, uh, at Red Run, I believe. Yep. Very famous, uh, club down there in the Metro Detroit area. What is going through your head when you first think you want to be a caddy? Why would you want to be a caddy? How were you treated? What was that all about? Yeah. So when I was in middle school, um, one of my mom's coworkers, someone in her family had received the Evans. So that was definitely something that drew me to caddying. And uh, I needed a summer job as I didn't, I didn't have a job at that point. And so um, the Evans scholarship was definitely something that was always in the back of my mind. And then as a Royal Oak resident, it was a pretty short bike ride for me uh, to get myself over to the course in the summer when I was 15. And also besides the, um, the potential for a scholarship, I think it's definitely the most appealing job for someone at that age. You get to work outside and, and it's good exercise and you just get to watch people uh, play a game and just help them with that. So I, I just really thought it was a great job, scholarship or not. 
Tom, did you ever caddy? I've never caddied, but I forced my son to do so. Uh-huh. Also at age 15, he was not going to sit around the house all summer. Yep. He ended up doing it like one day a week. He was a junior caddy, mm-hmm. never had any training except for at the golf course itself. Yeah. And uh, he did it. He survived one summer and then gave up. What, what kept you going, Andrew, which is also my son's name, Andrew, by the way. But oh, what, really? what, why did you yeah, uh, keep going? Um, yeah, I kept going, especially for the scholarship. And not mm. that I, I thought I had a great chance at getting it or anything. But besides that, I thought it's a great job for young people my age, especially, like I said, working outside in the exercise. Right. But also, I really liked the um, some of the things I was exposed to on the golf course, like at first, I, I didn't really care too much about golf, but it got me really interested in the game. And also, I think from a young age, it taught me how to speak with adults in, in sort of a professional manner, in a professional setting. And I got to learn about a lot of jobs that I really had no, no idea about before I got on the course. What kind of player are you, Andrew? Uh, not a very good one. This is my second summer taking golf seriously, but uh, I'm going to break 100 this summer. The best I did was 104, so okay. I'm working towards it. I caddied for three years. Uh, this okay. was like a century ago. This was at uh, <laughs> Detroit Western. Western in Gulf. 1920, is that about close, right? Close, yeah. close, yeah. Um, but uh, being there, you know, I was, uh, you know, 15, 14, 15, 16, I think, and uh, uh, enjoyed it. Uh, wasn't great at it. Um, you know, certainly was never an, an Evans scholar, but I, I enjoyed being around it. And the best part was that we could play one day a week. And uh, took great advantage of that on a course which you know used to have the Western Open. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was a it was a great experience. Learned a lot. Uh, learned my place. I've forgotten it over the years, but uh, <laughs> but it was it was great. And I would encourage anyone who has an interest in golf uh, at any level to at least give it a look. What would you tell uh, young people who may have an inclination to do it, but they're not sure? What would you tell them about the experience? Um, I would say what's really cool about it is it's a, it's a great job for anybody, um, especially even if you don't have any experience. And a lot of these courses are taking younger and younger kids, and I think it gives you a great opportunity to, to work a job, earn money, and learn a lot of valuable skills like hard work and, like I said, being able to talk to um, a network with with people like in a professional setting. And I think what's really cool about it is you don't really need a ton of training. And at first you're probably not going to be very good, but over time you're going to keep getting better and better and and you're going to earn more money too. And and the chance of the scholarship is huge as well. Andrew, did you find uh, the people at Red Run to, uh, you know, treat you really well, even when you were a rookie and didn't know what you were doing? (laughs) Uh, Did you do any horror stories that uh, you'd ever say on air? But how did that whole experience go? (laughs) Yeah, I think some people have a perception that, uh, like, everybody at the country club, like, that they could be rude or something like that. But um, I would say 95% of the people or more that I've encountered have been really nice to me, uh, especially when I was a younger caddy and I didn't know too much. There was one time I set the bag down on the green, which that's a big no-no. Yep. And uh, I learned from that. And um, mm-hmm. my member was really understanding about it. And, and just any time I messed up, I think they really just told me to my face, which was nice and I respected and just how to improve from that. I imagine you had a lot of regular bags, right? People who wanted you, requested you, uh, you were kind of their guy? Um, I would say, yeah, more so in the tail end of my career after yeah. I had more experience. 
Yeah, that's when you know you've arrived, Tom, when uh, the caddy master tells you, you know, so-and-so's called in, oh, I'm so sure. be ready. Mr. Smith. Yeah, and they, that's right. They don't give you another bag. I had a couple really interesting caddy experiences. One was with a Detroit Lion. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm not going to give you the name because uh, <laughs> it's kind of humiliating for him, but he was so mad and so bad in the same day that he smashed his seven iron into a big tree root and broke the club. And the hosel went flying, okay, into the rough. And I went over and picked up the club. I don't know what that guy thought the guy was going to do, like glue it together or something like that. But he says, I don't want that thing. So I stuck it in my pocket, and guess what? I still have it. Do you really? I do. Is it a paperweight I, on your office? Uh, no, it's 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 in my uh, all of my memorabilia. I don't know whether I've got it with the lion stuff or I've got it with my golf stuff. But anyway, I still have the the head of that seven iron. And then I had a a doctor Andrew who uh, was taking a, a young woman uh, he was uh, romancing out on the golf course and trying to impress her. And, uh, you know, first time you double bag is a load. And, yeah, uh, you know, and it, he's a he, guy, he had this bag. Oh, my God, I don't know what this, He put on those things. Like <laughs> weights that you'd find for a jockey, right, to make him the horse weigh more. Anyway, he had the, that bag, and then he had a bag that he bought for this woman, which was way more than she ever needed. So I am like dragon, right? And I got into the 18th hole. I just wanted to sit down and have a Coke. And he gave me the biggest check. Wow. That I mean, it was it was like four times what I was expecting, even for double bagging. And so I caddy for him again and I said, uh, Doctor, can I thank you for, for the last tip you gave me? And he said, um, don't worry, son, I'm gonna marry that woman. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So sure. I I didn't break up the relationship. I consider that to be. <laughs> you did your part. I did my part. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you helped mend it. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Speaking of tips, Andrew, do you remember what your biggest one was? Hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think three hundred dollars is the best I've done throughout my time. Yeah. But I That's really, good. really remember when I was starting out. Um, probably like six, seven years ago, as a B caddy. Yeah. I was probably normally getting like thirty to fifty dollars, but I remember the first time I got over a hundred dollars, I couldn't even believe it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you get $100 and it's 1965 and you know what, what the <laughs> uh, what the money was and the rate of inflation, uh, I thought I just robbed a bank. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I was four years old then. But anyway, uh, speaking of caddying, have you ever thought about being a professional caddy and going on tour? And I in part ask mm. because just last week, the Grand Valley State head coach for the golf team, very, very successful, Gary Bissell, just took a job at University of Denver as their new head golf coach. Mm-hmm. And the guy he's replacing quit coaching to go do a bag on the PGA Tour. Oh, I wow. just thought that was very interesting. But uh, a is top that a player or just someone he knew? Uh, they didn't announce that part. Okay. Um, but I just made me wonder is that something you aimed for or never even dreamed of it? Um, I would say that's something I never really dreamed of. I know that there's even some caddies in Metro Detroit who will go down to Florida during the winter and, and just caddy as a full-time job. But I don't know. I mean, that sounds like it would be a lot of fun, but I don't know. I'm not, since I'm not that great at the game, I don't know how much advice I could, uh, I don't know if I could give the same level of advice as some of these scratch players who are caddying. You just described what is probably a 
bigger number of people than most people realize of guys caddying here in the summer and down in Florida in the wintertime, and they literally make it a full-time career. What would be your guess, maybe, of the percentage of caddies who do something like that? Um, I would say at Red Run, it's not a ton. It's it's mainly kids who work there and teenagers. But um, I, at some other clubs I've I've went to visit, there's some adults and and some older kids as well. And I would say probably like five to ten percent of the people at some of these other courses. So I don't think it's a ton, but I know that in the South, not a ton of people like know about the Evans Scholarship because it's mainly uh dominated by people who do it full-time who aren't college-age kids. Mm-hmm. Our guest is Andrew Hendren, and uh, Tom, not only is he uh, Evans Scholar co-recipient of the year on a national basis, he was a 3.9 student uh, in his time at Michigan State, uh, graduating with a degree in finance and now at the Indiana University Law School. Uh, Andrew, when you talk about Evans Scholars and you try to explain that, to people what do you say and what kind of looks do you get yeah so it's pretty funny you say that when people find out that we got the quote-unquote caddy scholarship at least at michigan state a lot of people asked if we were really good at golf or if we caddy for the golf team on the weekends and <laughs> the answer to that question both those questions for most people in the house was no to both where well there still were some pretty good golfers as well but at least for me not that great of a golfer and uh, didn't caddy for the golf team. I just explained to them we had to get good grades and, and do a lot of loops at the course. But, yeah, it's a full tuition and uh, housing scholarship. And I think some of the benefits besides that, just, just being in an environment with other driven kids who, who are looking out for everyone else at the house and you can learn from their mistakes and, and just learn get a lot of mentorship from them in general, I think it sets you up even besides the monetary value. So what's the key, the difference, between being a great caddy and uh, one that is going to get barked at a lot besides uh, not putting a bag on the green? Um, <laughs> I think not taking it too personal uh, mm-hmm. when you mess up and just be willing to, to adapt. I think when, when it was my first year of caddying, I didn't do very well in a tournament, and uh, my golfer didn't really want me anymore, and that was a real wake-up call for me to just, uh, anytime I messed up, just not take it too personally and just keep trying to get better. Yeah, Andrew, um We've talked a little bit about this scholarship. I kind of introduced it as life-changing, literally, with the amount of money that doesn't go through your hands, but all your expenses are covered, and it equals basically a quarter of a million dollars by the end of a four-year college career. Would you be in law school right now if not for this scholarship? No, I I don't think I would have uh, attended Michigan State either for undergrad. And what's awesome about the scholarship um, and, and even just being on the golf course in general. So um, in undergrad, I did finance, and I worked a couple of wealth management internships. Hmm. And being a financial planner in wealth management was something I had no idea about, except for because I was on the golf course, and I don't know if I really would have ever found out about it until way later. And then also being an Evans Scholar, we have a mentoring program, and I was matched with uh, a lawyer who graduated from University of Illinois uh, like around five years ago. And he really guided me through the process of becoming a lawyer and helped me with my personal statement and had recommendations for my applications and things like that. So, I mean, that was really just a huge thing that I, I think I don't know if I would have been able to do it without that. Good caddies, Tom, uh, are great networkers, and they have a way to get along with a lot of different kinds of people. They have to. Sure. But I'm looking at the number of caddies around the country. I think it would surprise people. Andrew, that uh, last fall, 1,130 
caddies enrolled as Evans scholars around the country, 24 different schools, and more than 12,000, 12,000 caddies uh, have graduated in the Evans Scholar program. So it's had a tremendous impact. I'd love to see the all-star team. Yeah, really. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of money these uh, uh, the members of these clubs create and raise and donate over the years has just been mind-boggling. Um Andrew knows this, but the original founding of the Evans Scholars was uh, Chick Evans, a incredible amateur in the, yeah. like the 1930s, I think it was, from Chicago area. Mm-hmm. And he decided that this would be a good thing to support caddies and make sure they had some kind of opportunities beyond maybe just always being a caddy or uh, other things like that. And uh, the BMW Championship, which we just had this past weekend as part of the FedEx series, that event for years has the proceeds of it has gone to help support the Evans Foundation. So it was pretty cool. Victor Hovland came from behind and won by two strokes over Scotty Scheffler and Matthew Fitzpatrick and shot a course record, I think. Did you hear the same, Andrew, or did you not pay attention to that event? Yeah, I did see that. And I think what's really cool about the BMW is they let a lot of the Evans scholars be involved. Uh, the current president of Michigan State's house, Patty Tool, he got the caddy for um, John Ron for one of the days, which I thought mm. was awesome. Well, Andrew, besides uh, your degree in finance, I, I, I should have mentioned that you had uh, dual degrees, finance and psychology. How much psychology could you apply on the golf course, and how important is that to being a successful caddy? Um. That's a good question. Um, I, I did psychology as an additional, additional major because I was very interested in it, and I thought it would be helpful for wealth management. But I think um, those are some good skills to have because uh, sometimes your golfer's not always going to be in a great mood, and I think just knowing what to do in those situations and just keeping calm uh, is definitely a good way to go. How old are you, Andrew? 22. Tom, have you talked to many 22-year-olds who have it together more than Andrew? It's, uh, I mean, he seems like a couple of the Michigan State golfers for the future uh, that were in here a few oh, weeks right ago. A couple yeah. weeks ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I would Lorenzo agree with Pinelli that. And, uh, Drew it, it's Miller. just Michigan State Spartans. That, that's all. Oh, there you go, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, all of them. That's all it is. Uh, are you going to be okay when uh, Michigan State comes to Assembly Hall to play basketball? Will you be there and... Uh, will you say anything that might get you in trouble? Uh, yeah, I've been wearing a lot of Michigan State shirts around the area, and um, they're not. The rest of the people in my house aren't really too fond of that. But uh, <laughs> I'm still going to be pulling for the Spartans. So, and I think with a lot of the recruits we got this year, I, I think we're going to take the win in assembly. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us again. Congratulations! Uh, it is a tremendous honor, national honor. Uh, congratulations for all your work at Red Run and here in East Lansing, and. I'm sure we're going to be hearing more about you doing big things. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you having me on. Andrew Hendren. And while we were talking to him, I remember where I had played in the last two weeks. <laughs> Red Run? No, no. Oh. A place in West Michigan uh, <laughs> called The Links, L-Y-N-X. L-Y-N-X. Yes, okay. and I was there to review. Like the, the car, the animal, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was there to review the course, but I went because that course was the first to sign up about a year and a half ago. For a new program, uh, it's an apprenticeship that you can get uh, federally certified to be a superintendent instead of necessarily going through the four-year program at MSU or wherever. You can get uh, certified through this apprenticeship program. It's basically like a trade school or uh-huh. a trade experience 
<laughs> if you were to become an electrician or a plumber or whatever. Huh. But in this case, it's uh, to work the grounds at a golf course. Nice. And so kids can, young kids can get trained in this program with no cost to them is my understanding. And uh, it helps fill some of the void of trying to get superintendents and grounds crews at these golf courses. Is that well, job well, in demand? Highly. Highly. It's hard to fill them. Hard to fill them. So if someone had a love of the outdoors, mm-hmm. and uh, of course there are a lot of agronomy majors and uh, turf grass mm-hmm. students at Michigan State, that uh, that might be something you could do where you would be guaranteed a job. Pretty much. Um, in fact, that course brought in a couple of guys who both ended up leaving to become uh, you know, into other trades, but they were willing to give it a try. And they got at least a little bit of experience. But um, I know Gull Lake View and Battle Creek is doing the program. So is Boyne up north. Uh, there's about a half a dozen now. But this Lynx course over near Allegan is the first one to raise their hand and say, we'll, we'll give this a try. We'll, we'll mentor these kids. Very cool. Yeah. And normally, uh, now that the long drive at the end of the year here being sponsored by uh, Forest Acres and Golf MSU. We have a chance each week to chat with Brian Harris, but but you know where he is today? Playing golf, I hope. He is. Second round of the Michigan PGA, which is a tournament ah, he plays in every year. Over in Flint. Yeah, and he's done uh, pretty well in that. Actually, a couple of times he's been uh, on the leaderboard, uh, which is a little surprising because he doesn't play much golf anymore. Correct. But uh, he said, hey, I'm in the second round, so I'll catch up to you next week. But there is something new at Forest Acres that I wanted to mention. Sure. Because uh, I don't play a lot of 18-hole rounds. I play uh, a lot of nine-hole rounds. I play a lot of short course. I play a lot of uh, driving range games. That's great. Because I I don't have four and a half hours to do that. And I uh, love to go to Acres. I've done this with some regular partners over the years, and we have our own little games and contests and, you know. That's l- a great way lunches, to do it. Lunches, bets ex- exchanged back and forth. Great way. And nothing infuriates me more than going to the range and seeing it torn up. Okay. And, uh, you know, they try to move you. They move you back. They move the ropes back. But eventually, you're not going to be able to get a level lie. You're not going to be able to find grass. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's frustrating. And then you have the mats, right? Oh, Are hate, you a mat player? I hate the mats. Yeah, a lot of people do. You get good hits off of them, but yeah. it's not reflective of the ground no. when you're out playing for real. Well, Acres uh, East has new range mats. Okay. Brand new. And they're different. I mean, they're more realistic okay. Okay, than any mats I have seen. So, whereas I would just like if I say, okay, well, I can't can't play there. It's too busy uh, on that one row where I could get something going. I'm not going to back up to the mats. Now, I'll, I'll go back to these mats. Ah, okay. And, you know, you still got that stupid rubber thing that sticks right. up for the tee. You know, right. that's that's... I don't know what that does to your golf ball, but I don't know any tees that look like it, so it can't be that good. Right. But uh, this is something that uh, next time you're out at Acres, check it out. Cool. Yeah. Something a little bit different. We have, we're not quite done with the long drive, but we're getting close. for me? Yeah, surprise for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we, we do have another television show. True. Right? Yep. So we're not done. Coming up Sunday. And we got one more week of this. 
That's broadcast. right. That's right. So uh, we're going to continue that. And, uh, you know, we, we get to the end of August. It's not the golf stops. No, not, it's just that football begins. <laughs> exactly. I play most of my golf in the month of September, actually. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about the new issue of Michigan Golf Journal. Sure. I'm working on it right now for September. The cover is actually going to be, uh, cover story is going to be about playing golf in the Ann Arbor area. Mm-hmm. They've got almost two dozen golf courses in Washtenaw County. Wow. Ranging from the third oldest golf course in Michigan, uh, Washtenaw Golf Club from the 1890s, mm-hmm. to uh, even like Fox Hills that's kind of between Ann Arbor and uh, Plymouth that's got 63 holes. Um, the cover is going to be uh, the U of M golf course in the foreground with Michigan Stadium, the big house in the background. Mm. Kind of a cool shot. But uh, that's one of the things I'm working on. I'm going to have 12 pages of previews on the college golf teams in our state. MSU men and women, U of M men and women, Ferris State, Grand Valley, CMU, EMU, all those. There's going to be 12 of them total. Uh, So that's going to be kind of cool for people who love college golf and have an affiliation to their school that they love. You're going to be able to read about them. Um, there's also a first tee kid from Flint who's going to go to Pebble Beach in a couple of weeks and play with the Champions Tour event there. I think it's called the Pure Insurance or something like that. Uh, But first tee kids get invited to go play the first and second round with the Champions Tour guys. And uh, and then I did a, a review of a golf course along the freeway for my Freeways and Fairways series mm-hmm. over in uh, Saugatuck called Clearbrook. It's the one that uh, NFL quarterback Kirk Cousins purchased about oh, yeah. 10 months right, ago. Right, I played it a couple of months ago, but it's just now ready to come out with a review. So okay. those are some of the cool things. But also, you and I last week, we interviewed uh, Casey Luban about his experience on the Navy ship. Right. So I've got a story version of that coming up in the September magazine as well. MIGolfJournal.com. MIGolfJournal.com, your one-stop shop for everything happening on the course in the state of Michigan. And I'm going to go see Jack Nicholas next weekend and hopefully get a quick Q&A in there if he's willing to talk to the media. Do you think he could help your game if he watched your swing? He could, he's really good at giving people tips. Yeah. I, I I would love to do that, as embarrassing as it might be. I'm afraid his tip for me would be sell your clubs. Yeah, I was going to say give up the game, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have not played a lot of golf in Ann Arbor. I'd say maybe a dozen rounds in my life. That's okay. it. Um, but I have a question for you about the U of M golf course. I'll try. It's been a while. It's been about six years since I played it. Seems like they play at home every Saturday, or at least they do early in the year, right? Throughout the month of September. they got four in a row. Oh, you mean the uh, football games? Football games. Yeah, yeah. They, they do. Yep. That is correct. Yep. So how can they, I know this because we parked there, how can they park cars all over this golf course? It's a travesty. And and they, they tear it up. I, when I go back, because, you know, we're there later, go back to the car, I mean, it looks like the Mardi Gras just come through there. How can they do that? And Michigan State cannot park a car on Munn Field. That's a really good question. Change of philosophy, I guess. Um, and that's a historical course. It was designed by Alistair McKenzie, Doctor Alistair McKenzie. It's a shame. Who designed Augusta National? Yeah. And it's a great golf course. And, and if it's been wet at all, oh, you well, get I, the ruts in there, and uh, you know, uh, it's usually just the first hole, I believe. That where they might actually park on the fairway. I think the rest of it is just on the edges and mm-hmm. in the rough. Mm-hmm. 
but that first hole is like a long par five. And, yeah. And I've never been there like you have during parking. Oh, yeah. But I think that's the only hole that they actually park in the fairway. I, I could be wrong, but it's it's amazing. I don't know how or why they do it other than money. But yeah, follow the money. Everything in life, sir. There you go. Tom, thanks so much. Uh, we will see you Sunday night and then again next Tuesday. That's correct. All right. We will be right back, and Jim Stark will be here getting ready for uh, baseball last week and this week. Uh, didn't have a show, so he's going to be uh, with you tomorrow night. Right, Rob? Is that the plan? Six o'clock? That's the plan. Okay. Looking forward to that. And we'll talk with Jim about the Tigers and this newfound power source. Great game last night, especially if you didn't care who won. Uh, Cubs winning 7-6, to six, but that was a fantastic baseball game. And the Tigers are suddenly fun to watch now that they know it's, it's legal to hit the ball over the fence. We'll be right back on The Drive with Jack. Hey, golfers. Jack Ebling here for Forest Acres Golf Courses and Golf MSU. Every player can benefit from the best in golf instruction. In mid-Michigan, that's always meant Forest Acres with its great team of PGA pros. Go to golfmsu.edu for help from the leaders in golf education and for some great fall tee times. To everyone who believes family is what mealtime is all about, let our guest Emmy share what she loves about Culver's. From the moment my family walked in, we knew Culver's was the place for us. There's just something nice about a cook-to-order butter burger and creamy, fresh frozen custard that tastes like it was made just for you. But time with family? Now that's what's really special. Stop in and experience what mealtime means at Culver's. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, love, welcome to delicious. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear, Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store, or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. 
Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Epling with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, I see that the lots are filling up and showroom is too. Yes, finally. Lots are getting full. We're ready to sell some cars, Jack. And you got some new vehicles, some news about the Silverado and the Colorado. That's exactly right. We have the all-new, completely redesigned 2024 three-quarter ton Silverado. And then we also have the all-new, completely redesigned Colorado. Both fantastic vehicles. We're really excited. And then on the Nissan side, we've got the all-electric Aria, which is on the ground right now. That thing is absolutely fantastic. I seen technology like that ever before. Stop and see Matt and the gang on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. To everyone who needs a little delight in their day, let our team member Paul tell you about one of our favorite sweet treats. Making special moments at mealtime is a tradition in Wisconsin. And what better way to sweeten your day than a Culver's creamy, fresh frozen custard and your favorite mixins. From the indulgence of Snickers to the richness of Dove chocolate, we handcraft every concrete mixer exactly the way you like. Come to Culver's and let us make your day a little bit sweeter. From, From Wisconsin, Wisconsin with love, love, welcome to Delicious. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack Spotlight Radio Network. Blue Chicago. Um, Detroit Tigers not playing Chicago. Uh, White Sox playing the Chicago Cubs. That's a little different. Good job, Rob. See what I did there? Yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah, uh, I yeah. like the way you think. The, the Cubs had a lot of fans. Comerica Park last night. Uh, you could, could, could hear them. And uh, then if you watched... Valley Sports Detroit, you could see them. Yeah. And they were all over the place. Turned out to be, like you said before the break, a great game. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. And uh, Spencer Torkelson, another home run. And Kerry Carpenter, another home run. Problem for the Tigers is they hit a lot of solo home runs. And I want to welcome in Jim Stark, Executive Director of the Michigan Sports Legacy Conservancy. And our Tigers and uh, Pistons and Sometimes Lions correspondent as well. What's with this power surge? I think well, maybe well, Philadelphia and the Tigers are the two most uh, powerful teams in the majors this month. Well, it looks like Spencer Torkerson might win player of the month. He said eight home runs in 11 games. Uh, but this is what we've been waiting for, these, these young players to finally start producing, and they're doing it. The only I agree with your, with your point, though. There's way too many uh, uh, single home runs. There's not enough productive, big time. But you know what? That'll come. If they're hitting home runs, the RBIs will come. Yeah. Do you think that's a matter of pitchers bearing down more, concentrating more when they've got uh, two runners on base? Do you think it's a matter of uh, batters pressing more when uh, they have a chance for RBI and maybe they're not just letting. Uh, their natural swings take over. Now we've seen that they can hit the ball out. I, I think that's exactly it, Jack. All of the above. I think pitchers, especially with young guys, they're still trying to figure out their weaknesses. They they bear down, obviously, blowing with guys on base because they, they they know what they can try to throw them. It's up to the hitters. It's up to Torkelson. It's up to, to the rest of the young guys to learn to hit the pitcher's best pitch. 
that's just the one he makes a mistake on. When Miguel Cabrera was in his, his in his top form, he could hit any pitch a pitcher threw him. It didn't matter how good the pitcher was and how good the pitch was, he could hit it. Uh, what you see a lot of these young guys do is don't hit the pitcher's mistakes, which is good. That's 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 the way it should be. But they got to start hitting the good pitches too, and I think that's what's still yet to come. When you think about uh, where the Tigers are right now, and uh, they've st- switched some things up in the bullpen last night, uh, didn't work in the ninth inning after they fought back to tie that game. Uh, didn't think they were going to do that, but a broken bat double by Javi Baez. And, uh, you know, they say there's no luck in baseball. That was about as lucky as you can get. <laughs> Broke the bat off uh, at the handle. Bat flew into the netting. And uh, he didn't know if it was fair or foul. I think he thought it was foul at first, and then the ball hit right on the line. And uh, you, you could see Michael Fulmer on the mound, former Tigers pitcher, just shaking his head like, what do I have to do? <laughs> well, I, I disagree with that saying, Jack. I'd much rather be lucky than good, because I think luck plays a tremendous role in any professional sport, uh, but maybe baseball most of all, because of all the elements that can have a – a, a play in the game, the wind mm-hmm. and, and, and the stadium and an umpire and yeah, all these yeah. things that can happen with a lucky break. So I'm not sure I agree with that. But, however, um, the harder you work, the more lucky you get. I think you make your own breaks. And, and, and the Tigers certainly have not been as lucky as they were when they were winning, you know. But umpires, they tend to give you calls when you're yeah. winning and when you're a good team. So the breaks can – you can affect your own luck in a way. But, yeah, I, I think the Tigers – um, I've definitely turned the corner with the young talent. They're starting to, you know, they, they, they've said goodbye to Eric Haas, uh, uh, yes, this week. And, and, yes. and they're, they're trying, they, they're going to make room probably for Dylan Dingler, who, who was brought to Toledo from, from uh, A. We saw Parker Meadows make his debut last night. So but the future's now. Yeah. Meadows had a chance to be a hero. And uh, he, did. he did have one hit. But I'm going to get back to the luck thing for one second. You know, uh, how many interviews would you say you have done at, Tiger Stadium, Comerica Park, oh, All-Star I Games. I would say more than 100 if you add it all up. Yeah, I was going to say that in all my time and doing the books down there, uh, I'm I'm close to 1,000 player interviews. And oh, yeah, I've, I I've never it. heard a player tell me, okay, when I've asked them about something that they did well, a big hit, a uh, great catch, striking out the side, I've never heard one tell me, well, you know what, it's just lucky. No, Talk about the breaks. They'll talk about getting the breaks. Yeah, the breaks went out way today. Or, yeah, I got a break on that one. But you never heard hear them say the word luck because they thought, you're right. They, they don't. They don't believe in luck. You know. They, yeah. But but as as a as a witness of the game, as a fan of the game, as a, as an observer of the game, luck or, or good fortune or breaks, whatever you want to call, it, has a lot to do with it. And if they don't believe in luck, then why are so many of them so superstitious? There are <laughs> yeah. a lot of baseball superstitions, and and isn't that luck? Isn't that funny? Baseball is the most superstitious game of all of them. Yeah. Whether it's not stepping on the line, uh, of course, you never talk about a no hitter uh, when it's going on. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of, of rituals about wearing certain uniforms and yeah. certain numbers. And how about numbers? I gotta have yeah. a lucky number. So yeah, it's it's for someone to to, to, to again stay shallow with the luck part of it. Fortune or, 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 or that whole thing about uh, good luck certainly plays into it. And if a team goes on a winning streak, Jim, I mean, some of these guys will have breakfast at the same place and the same item on the menu, and they're upset if they don't have the same waitress. 
I've heard I've heard about wearing the same socks. Yeah. Not choosing your undershirt. Yeah. Um, it gets kind of gross when you think about it. But no, at that level, they, again, they don't want to take any chances, right? If if if, if they can do something that might uh, turn the tide on, on on a lucky day, they're going to do it. Well, did you watch the game last night? Did you see the end of it? Uh, 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 actually, I actually. I, I actually played a game. I was playing last night. I had a late oh. game last night, Jack, so I didn't. I watched part of the replay last night late, okay. but not, not the whole thing. Well, the Tigers had bad luck, and I think it cost them the game in the bottom of the ninth. And let me explain it to you. Uh, they get Riley Green up to lead off, right? And he works a 3-1 count. Now, if you get your leadoff runner on and uh, it's a 7-5 to game, it really improves your chances. So there is Absolutely. a there's a pitch that was at least three inches low and outside to Riley Green, and the umpire, of course, is located in the inner half of the plate, and so for some reason he called it a strike, and Riley Green kind of stopped. He didn't turn around and jaw at him, but he's like, "You got to be kidding me!" And then they showed the pitch. And that thing was so far inside. I mean, it was nowhere near the black. So that's the difference between walking, getting a leadoff walk, or having a 3-2 count and grounding out on the next pitch, and then Torkelson gets his fourth hit of the game, and then Veerling gets a hit. And the difference was, instead of losing 7-6, to six, it would have been 7-7 seven, seven with two outs. The Tigers could have driven in. Uh, the the winning run, or at worst, it would have gone to the tenth inning, because the bad luck of that umpire making a an innocent call on a three one pitch that should have been a walk. Yeah, that's what I say. Uh, even the umpires' calls, you could you could argue are luck one way or another. Um, they're they're not making those calls intentionally. You know, unless there's right. something we don't know about. But so it is a luck. Of, uh, you know, so did the umpire get a good look at it? Did he not? Did he not? Did the players? Uh, um, in, on the slide, uh, you know, getting away. So there's a lot of luck involved, and 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 again, breaks luck. But I agree with you. But again, an umpire though, if he hustles, if he works hard, he's going to, you know, reduce that luck, that, that that level of luck or that or the risk of luck. Do you think we will ever see uh, automatic ball strike calls the way that we do in tennis? With line calls, with the eye in the sky. Well, it's, it's it's a great a great question, Jack, because I, I debate that all the time because uh, there's so much at stake. Okay, you're talking about you know million dollar careers, yeah, uh, 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 World Series games, you know millions and millions of dollars and careers are at stake on these strike and, and, and ball calls, right? Right. Um. So, and they have the technology to get it right. They, they, they could tomorrow or whatever they could do it would never have another another missed call right right but it takes out the human element right now you know that's that's the, I, I don't think it's I think it's the, the, the philosophical question it's not the it's not the, the technology question they could do it it's philosophically do we want to take the game out of the hands of humans and make it that 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 you know, robotic. I guess. Yeah. Um, maybe there's going to be a maybe there'll be a thing, Jack, where you can debate or, or, or appeal a certain number of strike and ball calls, like they have the calls in the field, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have five a game or three, and they go and they go to the the, uh, the the technology. Then maybe you see that kind of a hybrid. Michael Fulmer last night um, didn't look like the pitcher who at one point was considered to be uh, 
an upcoming star for the Tigers, but it seemed like he found a role, had a terrible game, pitched a third of an inning, gave up three runs, but been pretty solid for the Cubs. I think he's glad that he moved on, and now he's got a chance to be in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Anyone, I think, uh, once, you, once you get a chance to be in the playoffs, your life is never the same. Your game isn't the same. Your career isn't the same. You always have that on your resume. I think everybody wants a chance to be in the playoffs if you're a major league player. I can't imagine anybody wouldn't want to. Now, if you're talking about a guy uh, you know, who, who's had a long career somewhere, and, and we've seen it, Jack, over the years, a guy – wanted one more chance at a playoff game, and they, right. and they went to another team. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But, yeah, I think the desire to be in a playoff game is universal because that's what you – know, we keep score for a reason. We keep records for a reason. It's because we want to know who won. And winning the, the final game of the season is always, I think, the ultimate goal. Yeah, I think about Michael Lorenzen, and, and not because of the no-hitter he threw as soon as he left Detroit, but Phillies are going to be in the playoffs. And yep. uh, his October is going to be a lot different than it would have been. Yeah, because he, he could both be a relief pitcher and a starting pitcher. And in the playoffs, those guys are invaluable. The, the way you know guys that have flexible and can go and go either long or short, or can fill a spot start, right? Right. Um, so yeah, I think he'll he'll be in a really strong position uh, to be to be helpful uh, because of his background and his and his, and his flexibility. Eric Haas, uh, designated for assignment. Yeah, maybe uh, dad. Cleveland picked him up, and uh, so he's probably not going to be in the postseason either way. It looks like the Tigers might even catch the Guardians. But how should Eric Haas be remembered for his time in Detroit? Well, I, I think he is, he's a throwback. He's one of the guys that we used to have a lot of, which is a homegrown ball player. He lived at home. And in Livonia and drove to the ballpark. Uh, you don't see that anymore. This is this is a a game of of, of outsiders, if you will. No, you know people come from all over the world, and not just over the country. So to have a homegrown, and he loved the game. He loved playing the game. Basically, it, it still had that joy of, of of playing the game every day. So. I think it's a double whammy because it's a guy who really loved playing baseball for the sake of the game, and he was a local guy. So I think it's a loss, and you, you won't, you won't. Those those guys are going the way of the guy pitches who throw complete games, Jack. It's just not a part of today's game. What happened to him this year? Because he had been a fairly reliable power hitter. He's never going to win a batting championship, but he'd been a guy who could hit a home run for you and do some things. And then this year, it just all fell apart. I think he's a guy who had limited talent. The, the years he was productive, he was, you know, uh, the guys will tell you, they get on a roll. The ball looks big. They, you know, I think he got on a roll. He, whatever he did, was do, he did right. But then when it left him, he couldn't figure out what it was. He wasn't doing right anymore. He wasn't quite as quick or whatever. Um, and, and he lost it. It was that simple because he just isn't the hitter he was even here. And he was never a great hitter, but he was a productive hitter. And whatever happened, whatever changed in his game, his eyes, who knows, it, but he, was, he wasn't talented enough to overcome that. The talented players could figure out a way to overcome that and still be productive. He, he was right on the edge, and I think that his talent just gave out on him. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but, you know I, Jack, he was a productive catcher. He, he actually had a higher defensive rate this year than he has in the past. Yeah. So he could still help somebody, but where the Tigers are going, they're looking for a guy that can help on both sides, uh, both behind the plate and at the, at the plate. Yeah, I've been listening to uh, some opposition radio broadcast driving around. And every once in a while, I like to hear what the other teams broadcasters are saying about the Tigers. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll turn on uh, the Cleveland station and I'll hear Tom Hamilton or 
I listened to the Cubs last night and Pat Hughes, who I know a little bit. And uh, they've been talking about the Tigers' defensive deficiencies at catcher, and I didn't see that. But uh, the other night I noticed that uh, it was the last game that Haas played at catcher for Detroit, and he had to play at second base, and uh, he threw the ball so high over the, over uh, Baez's yeah, head. And then uh, with Jake Rogers, who I think is a, a pretty decent receiver and a good uh, pitch blocker of balls that bounce in the dirt, they were talking about uh, the scouting report, and the, you know their announcers talk to their manager all the time, that they wanted to run on Detroit because Jake Rogers has only thrown out five runners all year. Yeah. You know that? Well, again, when I said his, his, his defensive uh, uh, stats are better, it wouldn't mean they were good because the catching has been a liability. Um, Jake Rogers, to me, has never developed into a – he is a backup catcher at best. Uh, when he first came up, remember all the pass balls? Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He, you yeah. know, and, and then he was supposed to be a good framer of pitchers, but yeah. then his, his release – yeah, well, he had the arm surgery, right? So maybe his release time is different. Maybe his arm isn't quite as good. Um, there's so many things involved with with, with a catcher throwing down the second. Everything's got to be timed just right, and, uh, and and the great ones do it in their sleep. The great ones do it from their knees. Okay, someone like Jake Rogers has got to do everything right every time, and he does it. And so he's a backup catcher at best. Uh, hopefully, Dylan Dingler will be more of a of, of a defensive catcher. But they don't have they don't have the backstop right now, Jack. The, you know they don't have a Lance Paris. They don't have a Bill Freehan. Uh, they're still looking for that guy. All right, with the Tigers' situation now, are they 11-under again, right? Yep. Eight games behind. At what point will you say, okay, it is not happening? They're not catching the Twins. Oh, I think they've said it already. I, I have. I, oh, I, you don't think I, that they I, could I, catch I, them? No, I, no, I gave I, I, I gave that up at the, at the trading deadline. They, when Rob and I kind of officially put an end to the to my dreams of of, of, of a run because uh, and, and it's working out that way. They're, they're, they're having a decent second. Their August has been very good, uh, but uh, but when Parker Meadows came up, you know what? That's tomorrow. That is, and you notice where he played, Jack. He played center field. Hmm. He moved Riley Green to right, which I think is what the Tigers see as their outfield of the future. Is, is going to be green and right and, and, and Parker Meadows in the center because he's so fast and he covers so much ground. And and, and, and Comerica Park, that is a premium to have a center fielder who can cover ground. So, yeah, you're seeing, the, like I said, you're seeing tomorrow today. Uh, I was talking to someone who said that Riley Green will be the Tigers' best right fielder since Al Kaline. But the center fielder of the future isn't here yet. His name is Max well, Clark. Well, we talked about the, the draft pick, right? Yeah. The, 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 yeah, well, Meadows, Meadows has, listen, Parker Meadows was a, a top draft pick in 2018. It took him six, five years to get here, okay? And he's yeah. earned the chance to be here. He's worked hard. Maybe he's a left fielder, but I think he's a starting outfielder, yeah. and I think they have so much invested, they're going to give him every chance to prove that he can be a starting outfielder. Yeah. How much of the, the pennant races uh, are you paying attention to? Uh, uh, I think it's interesting now that the Mets – uh, maybe better late than never, have realized uh, what sport they're playing. And they're closing in on the Yankees. Well, the the Yankees have got to be the uh, – and we'll talk about this tomorrow on our uh, on our show, uh, Baseball This Week, Jack. We'll talk about the most disappointing teams this year. But I think 
to me, the Yankees and the Padres have got to be neck and neck for the most disappointing teams with the highest budget and the lowest yeah. production. Um, but yeah, I, I, and the Mets. Let's face it, the, and the Mets got rid of their they got rid of Scherzer and, and Verlander. Now they're making a run. Go figure. Go figure that. Yeah, yeah. And Scherzer had another bad outing for Texas. Well, he's thirty nine. At some point, the, the bad ones are going to outweigh the good ones, right? At yeah. some point. Yeah. But I, 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 I'm starting to pay attention to, to the wild card, and I love the wild card because so many teams still have a chance to make a run. And so, as we you know, in the last two weeks of August, between now and mid-September, we're going to see all. By, by mid-September, you're going to only going to have the real contenders left. But right now, if you're within four or five games of a wild card, you think you got a chance. They're going to be throwing everything at those those next four weeks to try and make those those four or five games up. Jim, uh, I'm going down to Comerica on Saturday to watch oh, the, uh, the Astros and the Tigers. I'm going to keep my streak alive that started in 1958 of seeing at least one Tigers game in person. Well, no, I'm going to try to get down there, Jack. Now you're you? I got to okay. be there for this momentum case. Momentum case. <laughs> well, the, the interesting part was we thought, uh, my friend who's flying in from Bethesda, Maryland, uh, we actually saw the Astros in their second game of the year. Against oh, yeah, the down, White Sox. Down you were down right. there for the we're down yeah. there for the Final Four. So we're going to see the Astros more than the Tigers. But uh, we were hoping we might just hit it right. We had a 20% chance of seeing Justin Verlander pitch to Miguel Cabrera. It's not going to happen. In fact, I don't think Verlander's going to pitch in this series. No, I, 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 I didn't see the rotation, but I, I think that I read that somewhere. Yeah, I think he's pitching tomorrow. And then he'll pitch early next week. So he won't even face the Tigers. But I would love to have been there for that at bat. Yeah, you're right. Two two of the all-time great Tigers. Uh, last chance you're going to ever see them together. Uh, and I'll tell you, the, but, the, but the Astros, since you saw them in, in, in April, when you get Jose Altuve and Justin Verlander in late July, you're a better team. So they are a much different team than you saw them even back in the early part of the season. Yeah, and they are closing the gap on Texas. Texas has been in a little funk. But the team that's really soaring, Jim, is Seattle Yeah, in that same division. And the Mariners are hitting at a near record pace. Uh, their on-base percentage for these guys is, is astounding. It's like uh, 1.036 or something this month. And uh, the number yeah, of runs that they've been scoring, they've been averaging five extra base hits a game this month. They've, they've replaced the uh, the Rays, in my book, as the most overachieving team. Uh, even ahead of Baltimore right now, I think. Or maybe yeah. neck and neck with Baltimore. But, but, but here's the thing. I know three or four players on Baltimore. I don't know anybody on Seattle. They came out of nowhere. Uh, with, with you know, really since the All Star break, we, we, they've really made, started making their move. Yeah. Uh, but, but no, they, they, they've got great young talent. And, uh, and, it's, and it's fun to watch a team develop young talent, their own, their own uh, draft picks. And that's what, that's what Baltimore stuff. Yeah. When you think about uh, the standings as they are now, Jim, uh, could anyone have picked all six division winners? No. This year, more than ever, I think, Jack, it was almost impossible. I, I think, there's, again, it, 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 you know, heavy money would have been on the Yankees and the Padres for sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And no money would have been in Baltimore. So there's three examples no. of, of how this has been such an upside down season. Um, so no, I think this year more than ever, it, 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 
I shouldn't say ever, but certainly in a long time, it's been more unlikely both at the top and the bottom. The Dodgers, I think a lot of people would have picked. Maybe the Braves. The Braves are the best team in baseball this season. But And maybe even Milwaukee. That division was considered to be a toss-up. And really, no team has, has been fantastic there. St. Louis has been abysmal. No one saw that coming. But you're right about Baltimore. And I wonder what kind of odds you could have gotten in Vegas, Jim. I'm going to have to ask Chase Michelson this question. If you'd come in and you said, uh, I want to make a bet that the Orioles will finish 17 games ahead of the Yankees. You probably could have bet the house, the farm, the, the, the lake, everything you could put your hands on because, again, that's, what, that's the beauty of baseball. It's so hard to predict. I think, again, unlike any other sport, uh, young guys can make such a huge difference in baseball. One good pitcher or one good young hitter can make it. Look, look, look at Cincinnati with their young, with their young hitters. Yeah. Difference yeah. So I, I think it's hard to predict. Just as it's hard to predict the success of draft picks, it's hard to predict the success of teams overall because guys get guys get old overnight in, the, in, in Major League Baseball. Right, right. Uh, what kind of crowds do you think they'll have uh, in September? Uh, to watch Miggy. They have this Miguel Cabrera weekend here against Cleveland at the end of the month, at the end of September. Yep. But do you, do you think they'll have 30,000, 40,000 in there? I know. I think they'll average 10,000 more than they would have otherwise. I yeah. think you're going to yeah. see crowds of, of 25 instead of 15. Yeah. yeah. But no, for the big games, like you say, the last game, they'll, they'll sell out, I'm sure. Uh, but I would say I would say five, eight, ten thousand more. Just And they're going to market the heck out of it. Hey, don't forget, last chance to see Miggy this or get your whatever well, they're going to spin it. They're going to make sure everyone knows. Come see Miggy for this last a time during September. As popular as he has been, and uh, as good as he has been, you wonder uh, what he would have meant to the city of Detroit. Don't take this the wrong way. If he could have communicated better and spoken English. I don't know, Jack. I, I guess you're right. The Tigers never have had a superstar that, that wasn't, uh, uh, you know, could, couldn't communicate well. Yeah. Um, uh, even Willie Hernandez could speak, you know, pretty pretty passing uh, yeah. uh, English and, and, you know, didn't need an interpreter. Um, but it's, it's today's game, though, Jack. That's the big thing is yeah. that, that's so, that's so no, between some of the Japanese players yeah. and some of the Latin players. But some um, of them learn so, English, Jim, over that period of time, and they become – I mean, look at Big Poppy. That's not his yeah. uh, native language, but he really committed himself. And now yeah. he's all over the, you know, the network broadcasts on Fox, and Miggy can't get a commercial. Well, I, I don't think Miggy, I think Miggy likes the spotlight, doesn't want to be in the spotlight, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. He, he was never going to be an on-air personality. He likes the insular uh, uh, room of, 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 of the team, in the locker room. Amongst the team members, he yeah. doesn't necessarily like to be a public figure. He loves yeah. the spotlight during the game, but not after the game. He, he's always kept a very low profile. Yeah, yeah, and uh, not easy to interview. Not available very often, actually. No, no. no. Again, who, who knows why, right? Some some guys are just are, – their personalities are bigger. Oh, Trammell was – Lou Whitaker was like that. Yeah, right? Whitaker was like that, yeah. Yeah, and even yeah. Trammell for uh, was never the outgoing. Uh, you know, show me the show me the the, the microphone. You know, grab the grab the camera kind of stuff. Right, exactly. Jim, uh, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Well, and well, uh, hey, 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 Jack, 
Yeah. Uh, K-Line wrote the book on that, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not being a, me, a media no. uh, uh, media star. No, it was just about the game for him. He was he was an yep, exception. Just about the game. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, well, I, I, I've got I've got this one piston thing. If I could run it by you real go quick ahead. for you, unless you got to yep. go right now. No, go ahead. All right. No, uh, I want I want to talk. We haven't talked much about the Pistons, but but uh, uh, their their off season grade, Jack, um, for what they've done on the on the in the off season as far as um as far as their uh, uh, trades, their draft. The draft. I liked this only because I thought it was a very positive slam. So the article I saw, the, the drafting of Thompson, and and the trade for um, uh, for Morris, were both given A's because mm-hmm. they filled roles that Pistons need desperately: mm-hmm. a backup point guard and a, and a, and, a, and that and that swing uh, uh, that uh, three three and D wing, right? What they call it. Both got A's. Um, the, 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 the signing of Monty Williams got a B, and so did the signing of, of, of uh, Joe Harris, yeah. right? Yeah. The B. ones that didn't get quite uh, the higher grades were the drafting of Sasser and the signing of Isaiah Stewart to a long term. And I, the problem with Stewart is, when is he going to play? Until they straighten out that front court mess with five guys, yeah. I think everyone's questioning what role anyone has. Right. But overall... This guy gave him a solid B plus for the off season, which to me pretends for a good good start to the season in October. I, I'm I'm very very um, um, excited because they filled the holes they needed to fill. Can they win thirty games? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, I yes. think the biggest and news I- for the Pistons, and we can talk about all their draft picks and all their acquisitions, is is Cade Cunningham going to be healthy if Motorcade is there. You have a 1-1 draft pick, a guy who was supposed to be the best player in his class, and we haven't really seen it. Uh, we haven't in flashes, but he's been gone as much as he's been there, and so if he comes back, that's a blood transfusion. Oh, well, you know, if you follow it all, in that, in that the tournament, the world tournament, yeah. he played on the opposition team. He said They said he was the best player in the court. Yeah. Yeah, so that it. was very promising, but again, um, I don't want to get too far ahead of the game, but at least the moves they've made all appear to be very directed, very common sense. And now they're just straight out that front court. That's that's still a problem. But, but I, I agree with a very strong grade in the offseason. And now we've got uh, we've got just another uh, month and they'll start training camp. Uh, next chance we get, I do want to talk about the uh, yeah. the big the, the new announcement of, the, of that new turn, in-season tournament. We'll talk about that next time we talk about Pistons. We'll get to that next week, and maybe that'll be a topic for you guys uh, tomorrow night. On, uh, base- we don't talk about basketball on our baseball this week. Oh, okay. Well, I thought maybe yeah, we, branch we, out and give the listener something zero, better to yeah, listen we, to. We, we can only focus on one thing. All right. We're not very bright, you know. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Appreciate All it. Right, Jeff, we'll talk to you. You got it. Uh, we will be right back, and you're going to hear from Rick Pizzo from Big Ten Network and been on the tour. He was at Michigan and Michigan State and get his take on Big Ten football for 2023. Up next on The Drive with Jack. Hey, golfers. Jack Ebling here for Forest Acres Golf Courses and Golf MSU. Every player can benefit from the best in golf instruction. In mid-Michigan, that's always meant Forest Acres with its great team of PGA pros. Go to golfmsu.edu for help from the leaders in golf education and for some great fall tea times. 
Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. To everyone who needs a little delight in their day, let our team member Paul tell you about one of our favorite sweet treats. Making special moments at mealtime is a tradition in Wisconsin. And what better way to sweeten your day than a Culver's creamy, fresh frozen custard and your favorite mix-ins. From the indulgence of Snickers to the richness of Dove chocolate, we handcraft every concrete mixer exactly the way you like. Come to Culver's and let us make your day a little bit sweeter. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with love, welcome to Delicious. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Epling with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, I see that the lots are filling up and showroom is too. Yes, finally. Lots are getting full. We're ready to sell some cars, Jack. And you got some new vehicles, some news about the Silverado and the Colorado. That's exactly right. We have the all-new, completely redesigned 2024 three-quarter ton Silverado. And then we also have the all-new, completely redesigned Colorado. Both fantastic vehicles. We're really excited. And then on the Nissan side, we've got the all-electric Aria, which is on the ground right now. That thing is absolutely fantastic. I mean, seen technology like that ever before. Stop and see Matt and the gang on West Grand River and Okemos. They're making friends. To everyone who believes family is what mealtime is all about, let our guest Emmy share what she loves about Culver's. From the moment my family walked in, we knew Culver's was the place for us. There's just something nice about a cooked-to-order butter burger and creamy, fresh-frozen custard that tastes like it was made just for you. But time with family? Now that's what's really special. Stop in and experience what mealtime means at Culver's. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, love, welcome to Delicious. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. 
Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Eblin here with my producer, Boston Rob. Let's go right back out to our guest line. Welcome in Rick Pizzo. Talk about versatility, Rob. I mean, you name it. The sport he does, and is he busy? I mean, there are times I don't know how he gets everything done from his studio work and from sport to sport to sport and keeps everything straight, and we just saw him on the tour of Big Ten football programs. Uh, I was used to seeing uh, Dave Revson doing that with Jerry DiNardo and Howard Griffith. Is that fun for you, Rick? Hey, Jack. Yeah, it was absolutely awesome. And to get to see those two schools, obviously Michigan in a situation where they're considered to be favorites, not just in the Big Ten, but yeah. one of the favorites in the country to win the national championship. And then get to see Michigan State, who I think is maybe one of the most interesting teams in the Big Ten this year, just because of what happened the last two years, uh, you know, exceeding expectations by a mile and then really having a tough year in 2022. So uh, I think that story is every bit as fascinating as the one the Wolverines are writing in Ann Arbor. We just had Sean Respert in studio here, and uh, he is, of course, the Big Ten all-time leader in points scored in conference play, but there's a lot of excitement around here in basketball, as you could imagine. Yeah. And there's the same kind of excitement in Ann Arbor for football, wouldn't it be wild with the trouble the Big Ten has had winning national championships? If they won them both in the same year, maybe a football championship for Michigan or Ohio State and a basketball title for the Spartans or Boilermakers. Well, you know, I I think that would obviously be a pretty nice entry for Tony Petiti in his (laughs) first full season as Big Ten commissioner to be able to do Obviously, what no one has done in a long time sitting in that chair. But listen, at the end of the day, right now, when it comes to football, Georgia is the king. And yeah. until somebody kills the king, long live the king. Yeah. And, you know, I think Michigan is, is talented enough to do that. But we saw what happened the last two years in the semifinals of the college football playoffs. Right. You know, I think Ohio State and Penn State are talented enough to do that. But Ohio State has certainly had talented teams since they won that national championship in football in the first year of the college football playoff and haven't gotten it done. There's a lot that goes into it. Uh, And when it comes to basketball, I mean, there are just so many variables. Uh, You could go back, Jack, I don't know, you look the last quarter century and you pick out the national champion and then compare that to the team that everybody really believed was probably the best team in the country. Like if you had to play a seven-game series between the two best teams, the best team rarely wins. So, could it happen? Yes. Do I think it will happen? The reality tells us, <laughs> and history tells us, it's probably highly unlikely. Rick, uh, when you were at Michigan State, uh, what did you see that impressed you and made you think that maybe uh, it was last year's 5-7 and seven season that was the anomaly? I think two things. Number one, the talent level was really evident. Uh, I thought after seeing Michigan, I'll be dead honest with you, I thought there was going to be a massive drop-off in just the size, skill, speed, 
of the players in every position group, and it was not as drafted. Now, I'm not trying to say that Michigan State is as talented as Michigan. They're not. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's just the fact of the matter right now. But they are more talented than I gave them credit for going in, and they are physical. And I think that speaks to what Mel Tucker and the staff did in the transfer portal. They got beat up last year defensively. They had no depth up front. They had to move Jacoby Winman out of his natural position. They were never doing what they wanted to do. And so they weren't opportunistic. And that's one of Mel Tucker's hallmarks, right? Right. If his team is going to be good, they're going to have an opportunistic defense that takes the football away. I think they'll be able to do that this year. If they're really 9 or 10 deep up front, then the strength of this defense is at the linebacker position, which is exactly where you want it, and you need the DBs to just be better. They did not play well last year. No. And when you are playing in college football in this day and age, you're going to see all these spread offenses and remarkably talented wide receivers. You're going to have to stop Martin Harrison Jr., right? So you're going to have to go out there and play better defensively. But i got to tell you, I, I was – impressed by their talent level more so than I thought I would be and their physicality, man. You could hear them popping pads. And that came after Michigan, which Howard and Jerry told me may have been the most physical practice they saw during the tour. Yeah, yeah. Well, you talk about last year and the secondary, you mentioned, uh, had one interception for the season. Jacoby Winman had one as a linebacker, but one interception in 12 games and suddenly... Michigan State in the no-fly zone turned into O'Hare Airport. And it was <laughs> <laughs> balls are flying all over the place, and, uh, you know, teams were just uh, salivating at the opportunity. But when you have injuries to your top DB, your best impact linebacker, and your number one defensive lineman in game one, yeah. and you have an injured quarterback who's playing at 75 or 80% for most of the season, and – a lousy kicking game, you can't even get a snap back to the punter, uh, you can see why you lose seven games. Yeah, and you lose Jaden Reed to that right. kind of free right. back injury for a couple of games. That's right. Well. He runs, in, runs into the But I think now, you know, the interesting question, Jack, is, is offensively. So you have no Jay Reed who moves on. You have no Keon Coleman who goes down to Florida State, a guy who I think maybe could have one of the breakout years in the country yeah. if he's utilized right yeah. in that Florida State offense because he's such a freak talent. Right. So now the question becomes, what does this offense want to look like? Yeah. Do they want to be fully balanced? Do they want to really focus on running the football? I think it's probably more the latter than trying to be super balanced with a new quarterback and mm-hmm. a questionable you know, wide receiver group. Right. So uh, to me, it's funny, like the defense was so maligned last year. Going into this year, I think more of the questions are actually going to need to be answered on the offensive side of the ball. I would agree. I would agree. When you think about four teams ranked in the top ten, uh, you don't see that very often. Uh, as you mentioned off the air, of four teams that won 11 or more games, where do you find that? And 11 AP preseason first team All-Americans, and we couldn't find another Big Ten team that had ever done that. So if Michigan State uh, can come out with a winning season here, they're going to be a double-digit underdog five times, Rick. Wow. That's a crazy number. And early in the season, they're going to be a double-digit underdog against Washington. Yep. And that, to me, is kind of the litmus test right away. I mean, you have a couple games, right, that you should win. And then as you start yeah. to look at the Big Ten play, yes, you have to worry about what's down the road. 
But Washington has a Heisman Trophy. I mean, if Michael Penix stays healthy, yeah. he could win the Heisman Trophy this year. He's that good. <laughs> and, you know, during his career at Indiana, he had some pretty solid success against these Michigan State teams as well. So <laughs> that, to me, is right away, you will know, before the first month of the season is out, we will know exactly where this defense is because that's going to be one of the best offenses in the country this year out in Seattle. When you were here, you had the chance to interview Mel and also uh, quarterbacks uh, together at the same time. What did you make of those conversations? Very entertaining. Yeah, you know, Mel, it's interesting because I asked Mel about, and I don't think that this necessarily made air, I can't recall or not, but one of the most interesting parts of the interview was asking him about the way that he asks his staff to coach. So I was so struck by from the time that warm-up started until the time that practice was over. Mel was the lead dog, but every single coach was involved, verbal. They were loud. They were energetic. They were pumping their guys up. And he said, especially after last year, he and the staff got together and said, we cannot ask our team to do anything that we as coaches wouldn't do. So if you're not going to bring in 110% every day, I don't want you coaching today. And I, I know that may sound cheesy or it may sound, oh, everybody does that. Trust me, I've been to a lot of training camp practices. Everybody doesn't do that. That's yeah. not always the case. And when Mel said that to me, it, it kind of resonated a little bit more because I had done a couple of Michigan State games last year after some of those injuries and I was on the sidelines. And I didn't necessarily get that vibe. Yeah, I felt like yeah. quit's too strong of a word, but I felt yeah. like that team kind of believed that fate had been written. Resignation. And I feel like, yeah. yes, resignation's a better way to say it. And, and I think that right now, Jack, I, do, I did not see that at all. I feel like they're, they're taking that kind of, yeah, you, you want to believe that we're not going to win three, four games this year? Great. We love it. We can't wait to prove you wrong. That's the attitude of the team. That is in this situation, in this division, in this conference, that's the attitude absolutely that you have to go into the season with. It's good to know that the coaching intensity you saw was more than just an effort to impress Jerry DiNardo. <laughs> Trust me. Jerry is chill now, but you want to talk about coaching intensity, you can go, ahead, go back and look at some of the clips when he was in Baton Rouge. He yeah. knows all about coaching intensity. Yeah. Well, he beat Nick Saban in the bowl game. Yeah. Uh, he probably has mentioned that a time or two. He had a great run, and what he did at Vanderbilt had really never been done before. That's right. And he took that job after being the OC, wildly successful OC national championship OC at Colorado. So, you know, now we know him as an analyst, but, man, he's one hell of a coach through his career. The quarterbacks, uh, they're even talking about Sam Levitt being very impressive, but I can't imagine somebody who just got to campus, I don't care how good he is being able to run a Big Ten offense. But uh, with Caden Hauser and Noah Kim, I don't know if you can put a piece of paper between them right now, but Jay Johnson said there's a chance that they'll both play in the first couple games and let them decide it that way. What did you make of those two? See, I would love that idea, Jack, and here's why. It is very similar to what Michigan did last year with J.J. McCarthy and Caden McNamara because you had two different quarterbacks. And Noah and Caden are two very different quarterbacks. Stature. They're different. Noah's obviously a much smaller guy. Caden looks like your prototypical NFL kind of drop back 
pocket passer. They both have strong arms. I felt like they both had really nice command of the offense. I felt like Caden threw better deep balls in the day that we were there, but from what I understand from Jay, that's gone back and forth as well. I think this is absolutely a week of game one decision, but I would love the opportunity to see both of them in game situations. I don't think you can simulate it in practice the day that we were there, obviously pouring rain inside. You certainly can't simulate it in your indoor facility. The only way you simulate it is seeing actual real ammo so would i love that for the first couple of weeks before you get ready for the you know for the schedule to really ramp up absolutely i do believe and i've long been a believer of this you are in a better situation once you get into the meat of your schedule and certainly the conference play if you have one guy and i think now mel didn't tell me one way or the other i think that mel and jay both feel the same way as well mm-hmm. but i would not be surprised if early in the non-con they go that route to figure out exactly who that guy is Rick Pizzo, Mr. Versatility for the Big Ten Network, covered so many sports and so many roles for so long. Aside from uh, Michigan, we know what they have as a two-time college football playoff team, and Ohio State is still wide receiver U. Was there another program that impressed you that you said, hey, this team is going to surprise a few people and could really make some noise? We could see them in Indianapolis. Well, I didn't get to see them in person, but based on their personnel and based on what I saw from them last year, who's coming back, and also listening to Jerry and Howard, I believe that Penn State is the second-best team in the Big Ten this year ahead of Ohio State. I truly do. Um, I just think there are fewer questions. Uh, yeah. Yes, Penn State is breaking in a new quarterback, but you got to remember, Drew Aller played in 10 games yeah. last year. Yeah. Some was just mop-up duty, but Penn State had so many big leads Sean Clifford sat on the pine for a lot of the third and fourth quarter last year. Aller progressed amazingly. They have the best offensive line that a Penn State team has ever had since James Franklin arrived a decade ago. They have, obviously, two phenomenal sophomore running backs from Catron Allen and Nicholas Singleton. They have enough on the outside, a really good tight end in Theo Johnson, and I just love this Manny Diaz defense. So, to me, they have fewer questions than Ohio State, and it's it's fascinating right because this is for ohio state something of a as crazy as this sounds you think about ryan day's record and conference play this is kind of a make or break year for the buckeyes right it's nuts you lost two in a row to michigan you haven't been to the big 10 championship game in a couple of years i mean it's a totally different story if they make a field goal last year against georgia but they didn't And, and now they're under immense pressure and under immense pressure with a bunch of guys who probably haven't been there in that situation before, and they have so many questions on the offensive line. Yeah. So for right now, this is probably the first time I've, maybe the first time I've ever said this since we've been in the Big Ten Network. I think I head into the year looking at Ohio State right now mm-hmm. as the third best team in the league. Wow, wow. Well, when you think that uh, Ohio State, could have, as you say, won the national championship with a field goal or a targeting call, which wasn't made on against Marvin Harrison Jr. Knocked Awful him out of the call, game. By the way. Terrible. Uh, I think uh, Buckeyes would have handled TCU, and then Ryan Day would have had no wins over Michigan for two years, but a national title. Instead, he has one fewer win over the Wolverines the last three years than Mel Tucker does. Isn't that crazy? That's yeah. absolutely nuts. And, I, by the way, I happen to think that Ryan Day is, is a phenomenal football coach. Yeah. And I, I think he's one of the best play callers I've ever seen at any level. 
And that'll be a fascinating story to watch as well. The, the, the decision as to how much Brian Hartline, the new OC, is actually involved in the play calling. Brian has kind of danced around that answer a little bit because, you know, like he said, he said, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how I'm going to feel on Saturdays when game day arrives, you know. Yeah. But I love him. Uh, you know, I said that about them maybe being the third best team in the Big Ten this year. Of course, I would not be one bit surprised if he led that team back to Indianapolis this year. They're, that's just how good they are, even if they are considered by most to be the third best right now. Uh, when you think about the Big Ten and the expansion, I guess soon we're going to call it the Big 18, do you think the conference is done? Nope. I don't think anybody's done. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I just think, do I think anything's going to happen really soon? Now, that would probably surprise me because after USC and UCLA announced them a year ago, yeah. it made sense to look at two more West Coast schools. Yeah. The league, I know, did not want to do it this quickly, yeah. but I think the Big Ten felt like its hand was forced once the rest of the Pac-12 schools opted for the Big 12. And I think those two schools obviously make a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. I don't see right now any other schools that make a ton of sense mm-hmm. from a lot of different perspectives, save Virginia and North Carolina. Those would be, I would think, mm-hmm. your next two target schools. But anybody who's followed in college sports knows what's going on with the ACC and their grant right. of rights locked right. in through the you know 2036 season and. Florida State's trying to put together a fund to buy themselves out, and everybody's looking at legal ways to maybe make that contract null and void. I just think there's too much right now. I I think the Big Ten is probably best served with a really good roster of 18 to roll with this for a couple of years and see what the travel looks like, not just for football, remember. Everybody wants to talk about football. This is an athletic-wide decision for every single school. Volleyball teams are traveling out west. The softball and baseball teams, they're going to make all this travel as well, and they're flying commercial. So there's a lot of logistics to work out, and and I don't think it's done, but I don't see anything right now on the immediate horizon. One more quick thing for you, Rick. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, it looked like there had been some sort of a negotiated settlement for a four-Saturday suspension, and then the NCAA... Uh, rescinded that offer, and now Michigan has self-imposed a three-day, three-game uh, ban for him. Why did the Wolverines do that? And uh, something tells me we haven't heard the last of this. Yeah, no, you're definitely right with that last comment. And here's my guess, this being conjecture, but comes from a couple of pretty good sources, is that the NCAA was considering four, but not sure if that was going to be in its mind, the right number of games. Mm -hmm. So they said, well, we're going to wait until 2024. We're going to mow this over. We're going to make maybe a little bit more of an inroad into the actual investigation. So I think it's really smart by Ward Manuel in Michigan to say, because we've seen in the history of the NCAA, if schools self-impose penalties, then generally in the future, they are helped out by the future penalty. Yeah. Look at what Michigan did this year. Look at the three games that Jim Harbaugh yeah. is missing. Yeah. Look at their non-con. It's it's really, if you think about it, it's a really smart idea. You yeah. know, I was and I was told, Jack, clearly the NCAA was not impacting the 2023 season. They were not. If if Michigan did not self-impose, Jim Harbaugh was going to coach every mm-hmm. game this year. Mm-hmm. The NCAA was not going to step in. So Michigan does this, thinking, well. Next year, the schedule is going to get reset with the new additions and what's it going to look like. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know what the schedule is going to look like next year. So, to me, 
this is a brilliant move. Let's do three. It helps us next year when yeah. the NCAA comes down. And there's so much conjecture about what they know, what they don't know. You know, was it just a milkshake or a cheeseburger? You know, this kind of right, stuff. Like, right, right. everybody likes to say, I know exactly what's going on. Trust me. Other than Jim Harbaugh and the players involved, nobody knows what's going on. Well, we know from the NCAA standpoint, it was about much more than a blue cheeseburger. It was more about the deception that they've alleged uh, the sure. way that it was was handled rather than the uh, infraction itself. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, it's always great to talk with you. We talk football and basketball for hours, but uh, I want to give you a little tip here. Uh, in the winter, you're going to be talking a lot about this new Michigan State hockey program in year two for Adam Nightingale. Don't be surprised if the Spartans are right there at the end of the year. Oh, I got to tell you, I love him. I got to talk to Adam right when he came in, first interview when he sat down after getting the job, and I was after practice on Tuesday in East Lansing, I had a chance to hang out with golf coach Casey Lubon for mm-hmm. a little bit. And mm-hmm. He thinks absolutely the world of Adam. I know they become friends. I'm telling you right now, that program, watch that Michigan State program, because if he recruits the way that I think he can recruit, yeah. they are going to be in the mix in a conference that right now is maybe the best conference in college hockey. Rick Pizzo uh, from the Big Ten Network. Hey, we want to thank all of our guests today. Uh, Rob, uh, how about Deshaun Tate, our Lansing-bred, Atlanta-based basketball savant. It's Tate's Take Hoops, where basketball lives. Uh, We want to thank Jim Stark, Michigan Sports Legacy Conservancy. And uh, he's been with us. Uh, talking Tigers most of this season. A little bit more to talk about lately with this power surge. Tom Lang, uh, the long drive segment brought to you by Golf MSU. And appreciate uh, Andrew Hendren being with us uh, with that big honor uh, as the Evan Scholar of the Year. And Rick Pizzo from BTN. And you'll see him all over the place this fall, this winter, next spring, you name it. Uh, You're going to see Rick Pizzo's face and hear his voice on BTN. See you tomorrow, everyone. Have a great night. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.